Hello and welcome to the Where We Left Off podcast. I'm your host, Austin Gall, without my co-host, Tommy Handling, today. The two of us have been working in the music industry for more than 10 years together. From managing a DIY venue to traveling the Midwest throwing parties, we've met some interesting people along the way. This podcast is dedicated to conversations with artists and road dogs we form friendships with and see time and time again. We pick up where we left off. So Tommy is uh, out again today. He's driving... More for work across the the great Midwest, so sadly he is not here with me today, which is all good because I like doing episodes by myself anyway. So we've got a really great episode on deck today, but not much not much to report here in St. Louis. Anxiously awaiting for uh, my time to get the vaccine. My grandpa is getting his second vaccine, uh, the second dose of the vaccine, I should say, this week, and my mom is getting her first dose since she's a school teacher. So starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel here in a very bleak. Uh, year. It was crazy. Yesterday, I was looking on my Facebook on this day, and I guess it's been one year since we've officially thrown an event. So I'm kind of <laughs> I'm kind of itching to get back, as as we all are. But let's get into our episode for today. I've got one of my oldest and best friends from the music industry joining us today. That's Chris Davis, formerly of Texas in July. He now plays guitar in The Ghost Inside, one of the biggest bands in metalcore and hardcore. But I met Chris back um, in 2011, I think, when I booked <laughs> Texas in July religiously when I was working at the Commons. Um, I became really great friends with that camp, Chris in particular. The whole camp really became family. We had some some really great times sleeping on the floor of my studio apartment over the years in Omaha. But over the years, you know, I spent a lot of time with Chris, and that friendship has stayed strong over the years. So I'm really, really excited to catch up with him today. It's been six years since I've talked to him face-to-face, so it'll be nice to get in front of it. But Chris, welcome into the show, our long-awaited reunion. Like I said, after six years, can you fucking believe that? Dude, when you when you texted me that, I was like, my God, has it? I mean, but I guess uh, it makes sense because I saw you on the last Ghost Inside tour that happened, that the the accident happened on, and I I guess it's just clicking now that like this November will be six years. Holy shit! Yeah, it's it's crazy. We'll we'll talk about the last time that we saw yeah, each yeah. other um, here in a little bit, but it's yeah, it's crazy as like we get older. I, like I have these moments more and more with people that like I would see every two or three months, like you know, in my early twenties and mid twenties, and like the the time in between seeing each other has just become so dramatic and drastic. It's just, I mean, it's kind of the way things are. I mean, especially in like your case, you know, you've, you've gone through a lot the last couple, you know, six years and now we're in a pandemic right when your band was like getting back and right. But nonetheless, it's great to be here with you, man. It's, 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 it's truly fucking mind blowing and that it's been, it's been that long. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, fucking as you get older, life becomes more and more of a blur and fucking, you know, lo- giant chunks of time slip by without you even realizing it but yes yeah, six years fuck well i'm glad we're doing this it's a it, we're lo- we're clearly long overdue for this yeah. and and in your intro you you had the year off of when we met we met at the end of 2010 we've been oh, friends shit, for even did. longer Yeah, you're right you're right you're right you're right it was 2010 man i got it wrong you're trying you're yeah. trying to shave time off of our friendship man what the <laughs> fuck <laughs> i guess we've been friends for more than 10 years now that's that's fucking crazy to me Psycho. i can't believe it's been 10 years since like we were all bopping around like you know you guys were like on your first couple tours like sleeping on my fucking studio apartment like <laughs> yep. floor of my studio apartment like just crazy it's been that long but i wanted to drop you a congratulations on the top of this episode i know we were supposed to record this podcast a couple weeks ago but you ended up having a second child welcomed into your family so congratulations yes. uh, thank you very it's, much it's got to be a thrill i mean to 
you know, be ha- welcome a second child in your family. But congratulations to you and Chelsea. It's been great to watch your family grow over the last couple of years. Obviously, with you being done touring and having the time, you know, to be at home and like having time to yourself, like any other period in our lives. I mean, you must be enjoying the family life at least a little bit, right? <laughs> oh, dude, absolutely. It's it's the best. Uh, you know. I- naturally i'm sure we'll talk about it more later but the you know the aftermath of the accident naturally had its like very obvious downsides but uh I, you know after a while I, st- I started to realize all the positives that were coming out of it for all of us and specifically for me it was that you know my wife and i had already scheduled our wedding for the may after the accident and originally we would have gotten married gone on our honeymoon and i would have been gone for the rest of the year right. uh, on on tour and I've had I've gotten to spend almost every single day since her and I got married with her, which is great, you know. And and we were able to start a family. We now have two amazing kids, and it's like I get to be here with them every single day, and I'm like super thankful for that. And it in I you know naturally being in a band is also like a blessing of its own, and being able to tour and like make that my job and like is you know. Uh, provide for our family from music is also incredible. Um, but nothing will ever, ever, ever be being able to be here with them and see them every single day. So I'm, I'm like actually fucking thankful for that part of it. Yeah. It's kind of, cra- it's kind of crazy. It's a stark departure from what our lives used to be. You know what I yep. mean? I mean, especially yours, because I mean, from 2010 to, you know, to up until the accident, you were on the road constantly. So like, yeah, it, it's 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 great that you've been able to it's it's great to see that you've been able to kind of fill that time with like picking up like where we all kind of should have been like no, 10 years ago. <laughs> you know <laughs> right. what I mean like right. it's crazy to kind of realize how much you miss out on when you're touring 24 7 you know it's not just a you problem or a me problem it's literally everybody in the industry just like puts their lives on hold you know so it's great to see people you know doing such great work on themselves personally during all this and in your case it's it's been really fun to watch because your family is 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 a joy to watch thank you so much man yeah it's it's cool uh you know like you said you you put on you put a lot of like basic life uh events and and milestones and stuff like that on hold to do music full-time and uh you know i think that this not just the pandemic, but just, you know, our lives over the past five, six years have kind of allowed all of us to to kind of catch up on all the stuff that we kind of just put on the back burner. Yeah. And I've, I talk about I feel like I talk about this uh, pretty often with like my close friends. But, you know, like my personality prior to like the pandemic starting was like, yeah, I, I like I, I'm gone every weekend, like throwing parties and like touring. It's like my personality is way more than just like music now. And I think that's like, it's been like the best thing about like the pandemic, at least for me, I don't know about you, but yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, I've talked about this a few times on, on a couple other podcasts I've done recently, but, uh, but it's, it's like very true to exactly what you're saying here is like, uh, I feel like specifically people within the music industry right now, uh, are kind of having to figure out, who they are outside of just being a musician or a booking agent or a manager or whatever, whatever your role is within the industry. Uh, and our band, it was already like weirdly prepared for a situation like this because, because of the accident, because we had everything taken away from us in a blink of an eye. And, you know, we had to spend those four years 
before we played a show again, figuring out like, okay, well, what the fuck do I do with my, who am I when I'm not Chris from the ghost inside or Chris from Texas in July or X, Y, Z? Like what, what is my role in the world? What else do I like to do? How do I make myself happy? Like where, how else do I make money? Like we, we had to overcome those hurdles, you know, back in 2015, 2016, when everything first started. Uh, so obviously having the world shut down again, right when we were starting to pick the pieces up and start starting to actually be like a band and be active again, fucking sucked. It doesn't make it suck any less, uh, but it was pretty easy for us, I think, to slip back into like, okay, well, unfortunately we've been here before, but we are prepared for this. So let's just hunker down and stay safe and uh, we'll we'll play band again one day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Like in a, in a really fucked up way, you guys really were prepared <laughs> right we're way more prepared you know for this than i would guess most of the world probably was but i mean i've had this conversation a couple times too like on the podcast but i mean what what have you been doing with this unprecedented amount of free time i know i know i i've i got back in touch with you because you were doing your twitch streams and i've i've, <laughs> I've really enjoyed personally i've i love old tgi i love new tgi i love old texas stuff and what you do on those streams is, is so much fun if, if you haven't seen what chris does you know on his twitch stream definitely check it out he goes through and makes set lists every night and he goes through and plays you know through all the songs live on guitar and it's it's fucking incredible you have a great little community over there so besides <laughs> twitch i mean what else have you been doing during quarantine to kind of keep yourself busy uh dude it's it's uh shifted uh the beginning of the pandemic I, I was not mentally well. I was uh, I was definitely struggling with with just the fear of. I mean, I guess mostly looking back now, it's the just the fear of uncertainty of like where the fuck is this headed? Like, will we make it out of it? Like, there was also just so much unknown about the the virus itself and what it was like doing to you when you got sick. That just like I was so paranoid about leaving the house. So I spent like weeks at a time in like fucking full blown anxiety attacks from the time I woke up to the time I, I went to sleep, uh, that finally got under control as, you know, we started to, f the longer we were in it, the more it felt, I don't know, I, it's kind of fucked up to say, but felt normal. And so I just kind of settled into the quote unquote no, new normal that we're living in. Uh, but, but then it was just like, okay, well, can't interact with people. So I'm just going to go on long ass walks around my neighborhood and take my kid and walk around the neighborhood and just trying to get out of the house but also stay socially distant. Um, so I, I tried to be more active and spend more time outside of the house because it felt like, you know, being stuck in the house is just driving me fucking crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. and especially it's, it's hard, you know, even in your case because you had already been home for a while, but like, you know, our lives for 10 years of our lives were just like, go, 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 go. Yep. And having to slow down to this pace has been has been devastating for a lot of us i mean i don't i don't know about you but like mentioning getting outside yeah like yeah fuck yeah same like i have to leave my house like at least like once a day to go walk like i've taken up running like my fat ass is getting on the streets of st <laughs> louis out here fucking running that's how that's how bored i have gotten you right know what i mean but like that's the need to get outside is like totally there right yeah i i'm just you know i i'm a bit of a of a recluse in a sense that like I prefer to sit inside but even even for me it was like dude having to not only stay away from everyone I love you know I barely even see my family 
just i need i need to at least get out and like fresh air and like not be cooped up you know like it's sitting inside is not doing anything for my mental health or my physical health for that matter <laughs> i'm with you <laughs> uh so so that was a big one it was just trying to get outside as much as possible and then natu- i mean i've been doing the studio stuff for for quite a while now but um it, i just tried to lean into to the studio work a little bit more obviously it got a little weird because i couldn't have in-person sessions i i mean i had a, i had a few you know and and i only do that based on like when our local COVID numbers are down, like if they're if it's in scary situations, like do not come in my house, like don't yeah. don't don't got, interact I got a with newborn me. here. I got a child yeah. and a wife. Don't don't even look at my family. Like stay away. <laughs> uh, but um, you know, I've been trying to do like remote work. Like there's you know there's a ton of uh, tools out there where you can you can do uh, remote collaboration through the internet. So I've been doing a bit of that, trying to do as much mixing and stuff as I can. But uh, and then yeah, like you said, the the Twitch thing is a fairly recent thing that I started back in like December. Um, that I was just finally like, I just, I need, uh, well, first off, I hadn't touched my guitar like at all last year. Just one, once all of our shows and stuff got canceled and it looked like there was just like no hope in sight. I was just like, I, I just can't touch my guitar. And then it got to the point where I kept coming in the studio every day and like staring at all my guitars and being like, it's fuck. It's a fucking shame that there's guitar sitting right there just collecting dust. And I'm, I'm too busy feeling bad for myself to like realize how lucky I am to have that at my disposal. So part of starting to stream on Twitch was, it was just an accountability thing. Like even if only one person showed up, I still had to play because they were there. And so, you know, I started three days a week and I was like, whoever shows up, they're my accountability partners to make me actually practice my instrument. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's like the sense of community that I get when I come into that Twitch stream is like, you know, there's, there's people that are there like every night, like, Mm -hmm. you know, them by name. Like I think everybody needs that sense of community right now because, you know, it's been obviously taken away. I mean, not taken away, you know, it's not like, you know, we're choosing to do this, you know, like the people that are staying home and staying responsible, it's a choice, you know? Um, but you know, having that sense of community has been so huge, you know, and, uh, it's just incredible how, how you've been able to kind of cultivate that. And like the whole TGI crew, if correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong here, but everybody seems to be streaming from that camp, correct? Uh, not so vigil does, uh, as well. And I'll have Andrew on my stream every now and then, like he was just on last night, which Um, was amazing by the way. He's, he's fucking hilarious. Uh, and then occasionally we'll do like, we'll go on vigil stream, all five of us and, and hang out there a bit. Um, so vigil and I are the only ones who are like actively streaming, but every, everybody else is current, like, Oh, they'll like go and like be a guest on other people's streams and stuff. So everybody's trying to find ways to uh, be active and like you know find that like exactly like you said the sense of community that like you know the the music community as a whole. Like even if it's we're not playing a show, like dude, I would kill to be able to go to a show and see bands play and like meet people at shows and talk and just talk music with people face to face and like while twitch isn't a face-to-face thing like getting that instant uh feedback from people who are there to hang out is like it feels to me like the closest thing that i've experienced to going to a show since all of this stuff happened and it's dude it's been a godsend for my mental state for sure 
Yeah, and I feel like, and it, it, like to a point, like it's far less judgy too than like being, you know, oh. being like live and in person somewhere. Like the community, like the people that want to be there are actually there, like every every yep. night. So you know, there's like no like judging going on. Everybody's just there to have a good time, which is yep. it's so weird to kind of like pick through like the in-person versus like virtual like events and like how this has become like a norm. But like I'm totally with it. Like everybody's like yep. super nice. Everybody is just there to like have that sense of community like we talked about it's just it's crazy it's awesome yep and yes uh so far i think that the twitch music community because that you know more and more you know artists are ending up on twitch as a way of like income or just looking for the community thing as well and i feel like the twitch music community is like far less trolly and judgmental than the actual like real life music industry which is great and i man i hope it carries over into real life when all this is done yeah, I mean, that would be a fucking treat for, like, for yeah, sure if everybody yeah. was just nice when we came out of this. Like, What a know? fucking, what a crazy concept that I, is, yeah. huh? Oh, I can't wait for that. But I mean, as I mentioned in the intro, we, I mean, we, we met back in 2010, you corrected me, but uh, when you were in Texas in July, I mean, what they were on one of their first tours when we met. I mean, you joined the band essentially a few years into its, its, its existence. My bad, I can't talk today. But uh, I mean... You really didn't stop touring with them until 2015, so you spent a ton of time on the road. But there was a yep. lot of major change in that band near the end. And some of, in some ways, it was the first major stop on some of your guys' musical journeys, which is super fun to like dissect. Um, obviously, you went on to fill in for the Ghost Inside and later became a full member. JT is now the lead vocalist in ERA, which is one of my favorite metalcore bands of all time. Yep. Um, but the band did some great stuff while you guys were active for those five years. Some really awesome tours, and you were slowly climbing the charts with every single release that you put out. Your last record actually hit 71 on the Billboard Top 200, which is Psychotic. a big fucking achievement for like a mid-sized you know, metalcore band like you were. Right. I mean, do you feel like Texas in July never reached it? its full potential there at the end because i mean the future looked really bright for the band as a whole and i know there was a lot of like member stuff that was going on you know people just had like you know things going on with their families building families and etc cetera, etc cetera. and it just ended you know i mean do you feel like it reached its full potential uh i don't think so um uh, i mean as i mean like you said the, the last record was our best charting record um and and like best first week numbers best sales overall by the like when we told our management that we were going to be uh disbanding it was like i think the record came out in september and i think we told them in like january and they were like well your records already crossed like 10,000 copies sold and none of your records have even reached that number so are you sure you want to do that and we're like unfortunately yes uh i i think that uh I think if we would have stuck it out, the band probably could have grown further. But um, I think in the moment, at that period in time, it just seemed like the hurdles that were in front of us were like, we it it didn't seem like there was any realistic way to like continue pushing forward. You know, with Adam was having a ton of health issues, um, and we were really uncertain about what you know what exactly was going to be involved with you know moving forward from that. Uh, we we had lost Christian and Alex, right? And then we replaced them with JT and Cameron, and then Cameron also left the band, right? And it's just like it was just one thing after another, and it just felt like, um, it just felt like you know the universe was saying like, guys, may maybe you've run your course. And now, honestly, you know, looking back in hindsight, I think had we pushed through, things might have 
things might have turned themselves around but in that moment it just felt like such an overwhelming amount of uh of things working against us that it just there was no way we were ever going to overcome that like mountain of just shit <laughs> yeah that last record was fucking amazing dude i remember oh, i you, booked man. you guys at some like you know the omaha like music scene at that time when you guys put that record out was kind of like it was in like a transitional period like every scene goes through where like venues close and i booked yep. you guys at this place called the lookout lounge and i remember like you guys played a bunch of songs off that record that night and i was like dude this is fucking like this is the best they've ever been you know what i mean like this is fucking crazy and then you know to, to see it come to an end just a couple months after that was sucked ass it, it was yeah. such a such a, a abrupt stop for a band that i thought was gonna really you know do some bigger bigger shit than you guys had already been doing you know what i mean yeah uh that show was fucking incredible by the way that was a <laughs> great show and that was that was one of the last shows we played before we decided we were breaking up actually uh because we just we just all, all of the bad luck started like literally the day after that show yeah uh, fuck dude you're totally right i didn't even think about that. yeah we, we were you guys, driving you guys to the broke next out, broke down in montana the next day didn't you yep oh shit i totally and, remember and that's where it all started we broke down in montana it was like a couple days before thanksgiving we broke down in a town that was a population of 500. Oh uh, so, and it was in the middle of a blizzard. Yeah, I so remember that. they couldn't get us a new transmission in that town because of it being Thanksgiving, and so they wanted to tow us to the next town over. But before we got towed, Ben got jumped by a bunch of drunk rednecks for literally no reason. Totally remember this now. Uh, we we ended up having to stay in the next town over for another week. We lost a shit ton of money, had to borrow money from the label to pay for our hotels and the transmission. Uh, finally got back on the road with a 20-hour drive to meet up with the tour. And on that drive is when Adam started having chest pains. And we took him to the hospital when we got into Canada. And they were like, yeah, you need, you should not be playing drums right now. You have like an actual issue with your heart. Dude, fucking crazy because I totally forgot about that. I'm, I'm putting the pieces together right now. So it was a routing date that you guys did on a way to a tour. And I remember that day specifically because uh, Joel, you guys had him out with you doing yep. photos, right? Yep. We went to that trampoline place and he yes. busted his foot. You remember that? Yep. Yep. I forgot about that, but I remember now. Holy shit. And that yep. happened, and all that shit with your van happened two days afterwards. Man, that's crazy. I totally forgot about all of that. Dude, it's crazy when you start to, like, unpack some of these situations, like, the things that you remember. Because, like, over the years, I thought I was good at remembering stuff. But, like, as I've gotten older, I've, like, grandpa brain is totally, like, a thing. And I'm only, like, 29 years old, and I'm already getting it really bad. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, tell me about it. Try <laughs> Wait wait till you have kids in the picture, man. You're fucked. Oh my god. I miss Joel. I miss all of those dudes to be honest. I miss Ben. I was I was gonna link up with him when I was out at the Ghost Insides uh comeback show. It, it never happened. That the weekend was so crazy for everybody. It was just like a whirlwind. And we'll 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 talk about that here in a minute. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean let's pick up let's pick up there. That seems like a pretty good place to pick up. I mean, uh, Texas in July kinda hits this huge string of bad luck. You start playing in the ghost inside and you're filling in for them. I feel like everyone really has a story about you know, uh, about the crash, you know, where they were when they heard about the, the horrific crash in 2015. I mean, it's like a f moment frozen in time for a lot of music industry sure. folks, not just music industry folks, but like your fans too, you know, like right. everybody fucking remembers where they were. I mean, if you're not aware and you're listening to the podcast, 
the band just finished a show in uh, Lubbock, Texas on the Locals Only Tour, and they were on a two-lane highway when the bus they were traveling in popped a tire, swerved in the next lane, caused a major, major accident that took the life of a few. Um, you know, a really tragic situation and something that I think everybody has a personal story about. You know what I mean? I mean, to put myself in the right spot to talk about this, I kind of listened to the Defiance podcast that you guys did, which had me crying for a, a, f- at least four hours. It was <laughs> one of the most incredible, incredibly produced podcasts that I think I've ever listened to. Um, I listened to it the last couple of days, just kind of getting ready to talk to you. And uh, what a, an emotional experience it was to listen to everybody's perspective. And if you have the time, I'll link it in the description of this episode. It's absolutely worth going and listening to. Um, but, you know, like I said, I think everybody has a real personal story about, you know, how they dealt with that news because it, it was, obviously is more than traumatic for you guys. But like watching you guys go through it was fucking it was it was really hard for everyone, you know. It's not like me and Chris talked every day; we're in constant contact. But you know, it's when you when you have someone in your life that goes through something this tragic and this crazy, it really f- makes it stops you and you're dead in your tracks. It makes you reflect really hard. So, you know, I remember two weeks prior to the accident, you were in Omaha. You know, we had dinner yep. that night. You guys were driving through. Um, on an off date on the locals only tour, you hit me up yep. and you were like, "Hey, I'm in town. Come pick me up. Let's go." And I remember I came out to the hotel. I picked you up. We went downtown for dinner. I remember the vibe of that night being very positive and very warm. You know, like yeah. after years and years of touring and really grinding it out with Texas, you were finally like, you were really stoked to be out here. I don't. I hadn't seen like you that positive in that long of a time you know like right. you were in a bus instead of a van might i add which was something you were really stoked on uh, right you know you, you, you i felt a massive sense of pride that you had being a part of that band and like what you guys were doing you know For you sure. invited me on the bus when i showed up and you guys were actually in the midst of writing that album i remember you took me yep. onto the bus you walked me back to the studio introduced me to the guys everything in a word was it's it seemed very copacetic you know yep. it, it was crazy reflecting back on that but i remember at dinner you were telling me about you know all of the plans that you guys had as a band and you were really curious if they were going to make you a full-time member at that point <laughs> and uh but before i dropped you off that night i mean try not to get super deep and emotional into this but like you forced me out of the card give you a hug and i remember looking at you and you're like take care man i'll see you soon and it was it, it fucking killed me two weeks later when all this happened i was like is that the last fucking moment that I'm ever going to have with Chris? Like, holy right. shit. I mean, I'm coming home from a work trip in Chicago. I got off the plane and my assistant picked me up from the airport. And I like, the first thing I did after I got out of the terminal was I turned on social media and like, I was like a fucking panic moment. Like everybody had, it was like, Oh fuck. Oh fuck. Chris was on that bus. Holy shit. And I remember just like on that car ride home, just like being so zoned out and being like, Holy shit. I hope he's okay. You know? And, and I remember talking with Sean and Jimmy too because like I, I I still keep in contact with those guys to this day I fucking love Sean I love Jimmy Dude, for those who don't know those are best. Texas and July roadies that have become some really good friends of mine but I got the okay, the okay from Sean that you were okay and I was like it's a huge sense of fucking relief you know what I mean but I mean, in terms of mental health and I don't want to we don't have to talk about the accident in full because I feel like you sure. talk about it all the time and it's like you can only talk about it so many times and tell the mm-hmm. same story and it's like sure why do we have to keep doing this? But I mean, obviously in terms of mental health, I mean, how have you attempted to take care of yourself during this recovery process after the event? I mean, it's extremely traumatic event and I'm, I'm just curious how you've dealt with it mentally and emotionally. Obviously don't share anything that you're not comfortable sharing, but for anyone out there is dealing with some kind of trauma in their lives. How did, what steps did you take to kind of support yourself? Uh, well, 
we'll just start with the fact that like I'm an open book and I think everybody in our camp is and I think that 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 in itself has been uh been huge for our uh you know me- mental rehabilitation sense uh but I I immediately got myself in therapy as, as soon as I was in a state where I was able to uh comfortably leave the house uh and see and see a professional I did um but but a huge part of it and and I and I've been an open book when it comes to my emotions my entire life that's just how I was raised like I've never I was never told that I had to like hide my emotions or that it was like if I felt like I needed to cry like fucking cry man who gives a fuck uh so I'm very fortunate in that way that that's just like that's in my DNA you know I, I don't uh I don't feel the need to be tough all the time. It's just that's just not who I am. Uh, and if and you can ask anybody who knows me pretty well, and you probably know this about me too. Like I'm a big fucking softy. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but dude, it I I think um even more than the therapy and uh was the fact that the guys and I were able to speak to each other every day and and just vent. Oh my fucking foot hurts today or oh my god laying in bed for the past week my my back's fucking killing me just having people who were there and were going through the same thing uh to be my sounding board and to just fucking throw shit out the wall and be like here's how i am today and for them to be like yeah man we're right here with you we we get it like you know it's all gonna be better but we get it we understand where you're at uh was fucking huge and then and then naturally seeing all the support for us that was all over the internet and like people constantly reaching out to us and like, you know, telling us what the band meant to them and that they'll be there for us no matter how long it takes for us to come back or whatever. Like uh, that may seem so small and maybe insignificant to those people when they're doing that, but it fucking saved us, man. Like I, I like our band would not be here today if it weren't for everybody who reached out to us at some point in time and and wished us the best and and reminded us that they're they were in our corner yeah like yeah. that you know i think even the smallest bit of encouragement that you can give somebody when they're down uh it, it might seem super insignificant to you it i promise you it is doing so much more for that person than you will ever realize yeah and <clears throat> you talk about the support you guys were given after the accident and i i i think it was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen being a part of music in like the near 15 or 20 years that I've been, you know, like actively doing this shit, or I guess not 20 years, 15 years is more accurate, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) you know, watching people come together, you know, hardcore, metalcore, pop punk, fucking whatever subgenre you want to fucking quote, everybody came together, everybody pitched in, you know, there was, uh, you know, clothing drives, there was fucking you know, GoFundMe's, everything like that. I mean, that's the the one thing that I've really learned out of this really shitty situation is how intense the support can be given back when someone in our corner, in our in our immediate alternative scene, needs it. So we're all we're always there. You know what I mean? And it was really it was comforting watching all the support that was coming in for you guys, knowing that you guys had everyone had your back. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. And uh, you know, w- waking well, not waking up, but you know, I, my first 24 hours in the hospital in El Paso after the accident, I was completely off the grid. My phone was still in the bus. I didn't even have my glasses. Like, I, I was just in my hotel room by myself. No way to know what was going on with the other guys. No way of knowing, 
you know, what made it out to social media and what, you know, the, the world as a whole knew about what was going on. Uh, and it wasn't until my, my mom and my wife, and my grandfather made it to El Paso, uh, that I got, uh, a phone for the first time and I was able to see what was going on the, on the internet. And by that point, when I got on Facebook for the first time and saw the GoFundMe, it was already at like $80,000 in like less than 24 hours. And it fucking blew my mind. I like, you know, it's, it's one thing to see, uh, you know, people show up at a show or for, you know, to see a ghost inside shirt at another show that you're attending or like, you know, to see likes on a post online, but to see, uh, the support in, in a tangible way like that. in in like a, I don't know, it's, it, it was, it was hard for me to comprehend that, uh, that amount of support for not just the band, but the guys that were, are in the band as human beings, uh, it, it just, it didn't add up to me at the time and still thinking about it now. Uh, it's fucking wild, man. It, it like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel real, but I am so thankful for everybody who was involved in that. Yeah. I mean, in, in listening to the defiance podcast, it, it, everything is fleshed out really nicely, uh, you know, in terms of like giving you pre con, you know, context prior to the event, during the event, after the event. And then like, after like the comeback you know like it's it's super crazy definitely go listen to it but i mean did you find yourself taking pauses as you heard that story from like the perspective of everybody else in the band like like what was it like hearing some of that stuff for like the first time and like having to like you know go through these episodes one by one and just kind of like relive this uh, traumatic event essentially right so we we recorded that uh basically when lockdown started last year uh in preparation for the release of the new record and uh you know so that was what like four four years post-accident and like i said we we talked every single day after the accident all all 10 of us the band and crew together talked so much hung out a bunch uh prior to that and i thought for sure i had known the whole story you know inside and out from every point of view possible um and I learned so much about uh, the other guy's experience from that podcast. Uh, dude, it was heartbreaking, man. Um, there were a couple episodes that I listened to that I straight up told my wife, like, you you can't listen to this one. Like, I don't think that you will, will mentally be able to handle uh, the content of this one. Um, it, it, it was... You know, I, I've gotten to the point now where I don't know if numb's the right word, but maybe it's just that I've just come to terms with my side of the story and what I recall of that day. But hearing everybody else's, uh, you know, recollection of the events and, um, you know, how they were feeling in the moment was fucking it's heartbreaking, man. Like, you know, I, I would do anything to go back now and, like, take any ounce of pain and discomfort away from any of those guys if I could, whatever I had to do. And, uh, yeah, man, it's just fucking, it's, it's brutal to hear that your best friends, uh, I mean, naturally I know that they fucking went through it with me, but to hear, to hear in their words, you know, as vividly as it was described in that podcast, how, how fucking hard it was for everybody is, is heartbreaking. Yeah, it, it was tough. I, there were, there were a couple episodes where I would get into it and have to like pause it and then come back to it later just because I, like, I needed a minute to, like, regroup myself. Yeah. I mean, admittedly, I've listened to <clears throat> I've listened to a ton of podcasts that you've been guest on just because I, I think you're hilarious, personally, so <laughs> I, I'd love to hear you talk. But uh, <laughs> even on this episode, I mean, 
do you ever get sick of talking about the accident? I mean, because you're kind of talking about the same thing over and over again. And obviously, you don't want this to define you and rule every conversation that you have. Sure. But do you feel like there's going to be a time when you don't want to talk about this anymore? Um, Maybe, but I think that I would do it anyway because I think that, um, or at least I hope anyway. I obviously don't know, but I hope that there is a larger scale uh, lesson to be shared with the world that can hopefully um, hopefully someone can take away something from what we went through that helps them in their life you know I, I, naturally and god I hope not everybody is literally in a bus crash but and I've said this on a few podcasts so right. you've probably heard me say it but I steal this line from Jim all the time and it's like Jim says everybody has their bus crash everybody has the worst day of their life and the important part is how you pick yourself up and move forward from there and uh and that's fucking true. Everybody hits rock bottom. No, nobody goes through life without hitting rock bottom at some point. Your rock bottom might not be as low down as mine, but you still have a fucking rock bottom. And the important part of that that fucking transition in your life is how you pick yourself up and move forward. And uh, we may not have done it perfect, uh, but I... I think that by having each other's backs and being there for each other throughout this process, we were able to navigate through the recovery process of this as gracefully as possible as possible. And with our fan support, we were able to bring the band back. We proved that even in like what should be uh, impossible circumstances, we were able to piece things back together. And I think that that's fucking possible for anybody. So while there may come a time where I just don't want to speak about it anymore, I will continue to do it. If there is any hope that it will help even one person push through a shitty time in their life, then it makes, it makes the whole thing feel slightly more like it happened for a reason of positivity. And it like has something it has a bigger meaning other than just being a freak accident. Like if it helps one person, it feels a little more worth it to me. Yeah. And I mean, I'm incredibly impressed with your resolve being able to talk about it and like being able to share it so openly. But I mean, I just kind of want to take you back to like maybe a month before the event. I mean, what do you remember about the weeks leading up to the crash about the locals only tour? I mean, it seemed to be going really well. You know, I mean, that tour was such a, I remember looking at it when I saw the ad mat for the first time. I was like, what the fuck are they doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, well, you guys were in a sticky situation where you had like, I think had a tour canceled and you had to, you just didn't want to be off for that long. So you had this, what seemed at the time like a weird idea of going and playing like all these small rooms, you know, doing a bunch of underplays turned out to be like a really fucking cool tour. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, what, I mean, what do you remember about all that leading up to the crash? Yeah. So, so you're right. We, we had a tour, uh, that fell through last minute. Someone in one of the bands had some health issues and the tour couldn't happen, which is fucking, it, is it happens, it is. man. Yeah, yeah, it is it's, it is. it's, it's life, you know? Um, and so, yeah, you're right. It was either we sit around for the rest of the year or we, we take the opportunity to do something and give back to the local scenes that help the band turn into what the band is. Uh, and so we went out and did the locals only tour, which was like you said, it was an underplayed tour. We were playing purposely small venues and, uh, allowing promoters to pick their favorite local bands to open and it was just us and local bands every night and occasionally we would even be like hey send us you know send us a list of local bands we'll check them out and we'll we'll pick sure. um and but it it felt like a really cool way to take a shitty situation and like 
turn it into an opportunity to give back to, like I said, the, the communities and scenes that literally helped build the ghost inside into what it is. Um, and, and, uh, we were, we were fucking excited. It was cool to have a, like a one band package where, you know, it was, it was, uh, a lot less busy of a tour. Load-ins were later, you know, the fucking bus calls were later. And so it was just super laid back in the, like, it just gave us so much more time to just hang out and like have fun with each other as a band and crew. There was, there was literally zero pressure. Like a, like a DIY type feel, you know what I mean? Where you like show up, it's just like, yeah, I guess we'll sound check. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, <laughs> dude, it lit. That's, I mean, as DIY as you can get while touring in a yeah, bus. Yeah, yes, right. Yeah. No, totally, totally. <laughs> yeah, but but yes, you're absolutely right. It was like, yeah, I guess we'll sound check today. Whatever. Yeah. You know, it, it was like it was very low pressure and just fucking fun hangs all day long. It was the best. I I loved every second of it. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah. So it was cool, and then we, dude, we had we had a lot of really cool plans on the horizon after that tour. Like the vibes with the band as a whole were like, like, I mean, obviously I don't know because I wasn't in the band for that long prior to that, but from what I could tell, like pretty much at an all time high, like everybody was very positive about the future. We were going to do that tour. We were going to go immediately to Australia with a data member and Amity affliction and do a arena tour over there, which would have been the, the band's biggest tour ever. And then we were going to come home and go into the studio and make, the record that is now out. Right. Um, and so we, we had a bunch and we were supposed to like, we were already booked for warp tour, uh, the summer of 2016. Like we had a ton of awesome plans on the book. So, you know, vibes for the band and like the future were, were in an all time high for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fucking crazy dude. I mean, I tried to keep my distance during your recovery period because I assumed that you were going through a fucking lot and needed that space to heal. But I remember making a promise to you when I eventually did talk to you. I was like, I'm going to be at the comeback show. So fast forward to the comeback show a few, <laughs> a few summers ago in Los Angeles, which I guess it was two summers ago now, which it feels way it, longer dude, than that. For yeah, some it, reason. it feels, scene it feels is like awesome. an eternity. You've never been to the shrine in LA. It's a, the outdoor space is fucking massive. You guys sold out the inside, ended up going outside. You've got a great sunset view from like it's exactly what you would think california looks like like if you played a show outside it was yep. sold out it was actually my first time in california everyone in the crowd is buzzing there's a ton of fucking emotion obviously i mean what was running through your mind leading up to that moment you played the show uh that day or like the months leading up to it? yeah dude i mean like i imagine like the show that night probably felt like all of like an hour because like everything was just going oh. so fast but like I mean, did you have time to just like sit there and personally reflect before you went on stage and be like, I'm fucking here. This is happening. Like, like that, that moment that you think about, like, like I, I know like moments before, like I go and perform, like a DJ said it, like emo night. I'm like, man, we sold out a fucking like room tonight. I'll have like that little moment of like personal reflection. I imagine in that moment you were doing the same thing, but on a much larger scale because of, you know, everything that you had been through. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it that that like reflection and taking it all in kind of happened in steps over like, you know, the time leading up to it and even that entire day it happened in increments. So like we we booked the shrine inside thinking that it would potentially be too big and you know, we were like, well, it'll probably sell out like, you know, week of show, day of show, whatever. Like that's fucking cool. And then it, the inside sold out in 4 minutes. Yeah. And 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 I was already like, what the fuck is happening? And then we moved it outside and released 2,000 more tickets, and those sold out in, like, another five minutes. And then we opened up 2,000 more tickets, and those sold out again. And it's just, like, it was 
it was that alone was like how how the fuck did the, these many people still care about our band after this long um but the real like oh my god this is happening moment happened the day of the show before gates opened we had gotten there to sound check and i was standing in front of the stage this giant stage with the big gigantic tgi logos on the side and i was like oh my god like do we do we deserve this this doesn't feel real to me the band's biggest headlining show prior to that was probably like 2000 people do <laughs> how is this even a real thing right now you know um and then uh and then shit got a little bit more real we went in uh to do like the the Kerrang magazine uh like cover shoot and we got in an elevator together and the doors closed and Jim looked at all of us and we all just like started crying because it's just like my god we're like we're fucking doing it like I this should have killed us and we're here and we are fucking we're banned again we're doing shit uh but the real oh shit moment was uh those couple of minutes when the intro to the set was rolling and the the kabuki curtain was up and we could see through it to the crowd yeah. I'm just standing there staring at 8,000 people waiting for us to play our first show back in almost four years. And it was like every fucking physical therapy, every single, you know, uh, psych therapy session I went to, uh, every fucking surgery, every stitch, every fucking metal rod got us back to this moment. And I can't believe that we're here right now. But once, once the show started, then it, yeah, you're right. It, yeah. it felt like it was three minutes long, but, but, but that, you know, that minute and a half or whatever intro that we made for that night felt like it, it was an hour while I was just staring at the sea of people in front of us. A moment that'll forever be burned into my mind is watching that spotlight come up on that stage and you ringing out the first note to Avalanche. I mean, to me, this is one of the most important moments in like metalcore history. And that's just the God's to honest truth. Like <laughs> everything that I mean, like you think about moments in time where metalcore, you know, has been like at its peak, you know, like bands that have come before you and everything that has to do with like history of the genre. I mean, super important, but like that is a huge moment in metalcore history. 8,000 people came to see you guys that day. I mean, not only was like the production to the intro of the show, just like one of, it was perfect. You guys nailed it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Having that silhouette of you ringing out those notes in like avalanche. I mean, I've, played shows i've dj'd shows i guess i should say i mean i don't think anything has ever given me the chills like i experienced in that moment that night i mean what do you specifically remember about like that moment like ringing out those i mean you i would have been nervous as fuck (laughs) you know what i mean oh yeah you know because if you don't rig those notes out correctly the whole like intro is just kind of like thrown but like luckily it's a pretty easy intro you know i mean what do you remember (laughs) what do you remember about that moment all, all I kept saying to myself was, don't fuck this up. Don't fuck this up. Also, you're the only one playing, so really don't fuck this up. <laughs> uh, but, oh, but um, you know, all, all of those nerves went away once I started playing because then I immediately just shifted right back into show mode as if we had never fucking stopped playing shows. And then, uh, and then you know, once Vigil came in with me and the crowd started singing back, it's like, oh, I... I know what this is. I know how to do this and we're all good. But you're you're right, man. Like uh first note of the show, first show back after after everything. <laughs> the the nerves of like, <laughs> my God, don't you fuck this up, we're real. 
Oh, man. It's, you know, and, and kind of heading back to like this Defiance podcast that I keep mentioning, it's, it's crazy to hear everybody's stories, but I've also heard stories from Tissue. Uh, yeah. because he works at the Granada who is a tissue is was a a road member for the Ghost Insides crew. I'm not he was a drum tech, correct? Uh sound guy. Sound guy. Sorry. Sound guy, not drum tech. But uh yeah, he works at the venue that we play in Lawrence for Emo Night. He works at the Granada. He's a he's an incredible dude. I made that connection after the accident. So like when he yep. when I met him, I was like, "Holy fucking shit." Like like it's it, he, he's got an incredible story too. Tissue's one of the greatest people that I've ever met. Like doing this shit as well. I mean, it's you total can't seat, ask total for sweetheart, a more laid back, caring, like forward thinking guy who's yep. like really, really on top of his game in in terms of like you know sound engineering and things like that. But yep, you know, do you ever go back and like watch videos from that show and like? just reminisce in that moment because I, I talk I, I asked tissue the same question he's like fuck yeah like totally oh yeah dude I I've watched every video from that night that you can find on YouTube I've watched them and most of them I've watched multiple times there's one one person I don't know if it's a guy or a girl but one person that uh shot like a 4k footage from like they're like back by the soundboard towards the middle of the crowd and it's like this I mean it's a fucking camera you know sound quality but it sounds decent I've watched every single one of their videos a million times uh you know just just to get a little bit of a taste of of that night again because you know obviously we will we will uh cherish every show we get to play moving forward but i don't think anything will ever top that night as far as playing music as far like that will be the peak of playing music for us moving forward probably it felt like such a blast from the past and another time in my life because I had all these Midwest friends that also made the trip out there and, like, that I hadn't seen in fucking years. I mean, we all grew up going to, like, Ghost Inside shows together. I mean, prior to you being in the band, like, even, right. you know, so it was, like, not only special to see you guys make a comeback, but a lot of us were brought back together for the first time in ages as well, you know? I mean, uh, other than just playing the set and, like, having you know, all of these moments that you're talking about, I mean, what was the biggest takeaway from that day for you other than just playing the set and like the lead up to the show? Well, uh, I mean, I, I think it goes without saying like seeing the fans show up to be there in person was obviously like, fuck the, like the support for the band is real. But the biggest thing for me and one of the most important things for me was I made sure every single person in my family that was willing to travel was there. Um, it was important for me, for my, for my family to share that with me because obviously they were the people that were with me every single day to, uh, d during the whole recovery process. Um, and you know, it might be a weird way to show up, but it was my way of thanking them for being there. Uh, but even the the most important thing for me that happened that day was that my son got to see me play music for the first time. There was there was a long period when he was first born that I didn't think I was ever going to get to actually share that moment and he'll never remember. He was so young, he'll never remember. But we have those pictures and video footage of him being there and like I got to share my passion with my son that day and uh if it's the last time it happens like at least it happened because I thought for a long time I would never ever 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 get that chance. Um, it's 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 incredible, man. Like watching, because that I mean that weekend was so emotion filled for everybody. But having the next morning to kind of reflect, I remember sitting there with Davey Muse and Tommy, my my 
roadie dude that for emo night that I travel everywhere with, we were sitting in our hotel room because Davey stayed with that, us that night, and we were going back and looking at all these videos, and I finally came across the video that Chelsea posted of, of him looking on the... It made me fucking cry. I mean, like, yep. what what an amazing thing to be able to share with, like, your son, dude. I mean, I, I'm... Yep. Like you said, if, if you never get to do that again, or... Yeah, I'm sure that we will. I'm sure there'll be a time when you get to... When, you, when we get to do I, this again. I certainly hope so. <laughs> if that was the only time that you're able to do it, I mean, what a fucking scene and what yep. what what a special moment to be able to share not only with everybody in the crowd but specifically with like you said with those people that were in your family and like there for you the entire way specifically your son and Chelsea so yeah uh, thank you for talking about that man I know it's not like I know it's not something that you want to talk about all the time but it's just no, such it's a, good it's such an inspirational story man like I've I've had a really I don't want to say I've had a good time going through and listening to all these podcasts that you've been on but like it it's really taught me a lot the last couple of days of like how fragile fucking life is. I was t- I took a walk with my with my girlfriend and my dog last night and I was just like we were walking down the street and I just started like kind of like shedding tears like dude this is all so emotional like not only the fact that I haven't talked to you for 6 years and like this was going to be like an emotional event but like it it has made me realize how fucking fragile all of this is, you know, not only going through covid right now but just <laughs> It's it's yep. just fucking nuts, man. It's fucking crazy. I'm I'm glad you're still here and we get to have this conversation. I guess Dude, is what I'm trying to say. But you you and me both. But let's transition and talk about some other stuff. Um, I mean, do you, I mean in the midst of all of that, Texas in July was taking their last tour. I mean, you had to miss the last Texas tour. You didn't get to play the final show. I mean, do you think you were able to properly close the book on that band? And I mean, do you think you would? If the opportunity presented itself, do you think you would play another final show? Uh, I definitely personally did not get to close the book on the band uh, in a way that I liked. Uh, I was actually supposed to do like two weeks of that final Texas tour. The, the idea was for me to finish the Ghost Inside run, fly out and meet the Texas tour do the rest of that tour and then fly directly into the next ghost inside tour. And I, I, re- I remember you telling me that when we, yeah. when we had dinner that like yeah. two weeks so, prior. Right. And so unfortunately I didn't get to do that. Uh, and, and which meant I also did not get to play the final Texas show at home. Um, I did get to go, I was there, but I didn't get to play. And that was, that was, uh, soul crushing, you know? Um, I, I may not have been an original member of that band, but like, I put, you know, so much blood and sweat into that band, and those guys are my brothers. So you know, they were they were in my wedding, like they're they were my groomsmen in my wedding, like they're my best friends. Uh, and I didn't get to share that, you know, that last moment with them. Um, I, I fuck that that like hurts almost as much as the accident itself. Um, uh, would would I step on stage with Texas again? I mean, I I, I mean, I'll just come out and say that COVID ruined that from happening there, right. there there may have been something on the books already that covid took away from us oh really oh <laughs> yeah. shit yeah Damn. Well, i mean that, it, I mean, it, it makes it even worse but i mean defi- it, it it it'll happen eventually yeah um, yeah yeah it it wasn't announced yet uh and and it was just it was a one-off thing but um it, it'll happen at some point probably that's awesome that's that's yeah. really good to hear man i mean i think it deserves you know, it, it wasn't like it was a rushed, like, goodbye, but, like, it just didn't seem like the best goodbye. You know what I right. mean? Like, right. There sh- first off, there should have been an Omaha show on that tour. I'm just saying. You guys had a ton a ton of history there. I felt robbed when I didn't get an offer. <laughs> hey, man. I Dude, to be honest with you, I I knew very little about what was happening with that last tour. Uh, 
and, and I don't even know, you know, Ben and I would have been the guys that, that handled that stuff. I don't even know if Ben really knew much about the routing of that tour sure, either until yeah. they just like sent it to us and said, here's your routing. And we were like, uh, okay. Oh, all right. Well, here we go. <laughs> yep. Uh, but I agree. It's kind of psychotic that an Omaha date wouldn't have been on that tour. Dude, right? I mean, we had, there's so many good shows over the years. Like having you guys play at the Commons was like, like it was always an event that I looked forward to because I knew I was going to be working with people that I genuinely enjoyed being around. It wasn't just like having like another show. It was just like, Hey, my friends are going to be here. We're going to fucking have a show. So right. I truly, I truly miss those times, man. Like the floor shows for me are like what I think I miss the most out of the pandemic, which seems so fucking weird, but like I miss being, I miss getting the shit beat out of me at those, at those shows. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I, what I wouldn't give to like just, take a fist to like the stomach or the face just to see like <laughs> just to see some <laughs> shitty local bands just, like just play to a feel something. something that's that's at the point that i'm at right now sure sure yeah i don't i mean uh at this point in my life i don't think i miss floor shows yeah. uh be, being uh being a partially crippled man i don't think floor shows are really conducive <laughs> oh, to, to my uh lifestyle anymore but uh dude certainly in those like back back in those days or like even prior to like prior to the accident oh i fucking for sure would have ripped a floor show yeah well i mean it's it's so shitty that the ghost inside was just like making their comeback as the pandemic hit we've talked about this already but i mean you're effectively shut down for a long period of time again you have been um right. and we talked about releasing records during the pandemic on this podcast with with a few guests that we've had on we had michael Barr on. he talked about like being back in volumes and like releasing music and how it's been like super different but i mean was there a discussion about pushing the album release back but i mean the thought that came to me today i guess you know after listening to a lot of these podcasts that you've been doing i mean the ghost inside didn't seem like they were going to tour behind it relentlessly so i mean did it really matter when the album came out Right. Yeah. So there, there definitely was a conversation about that. The label approached us and asked if we wanted to push the record uh, release date back uh, m- for a couple reasons, uh, both just for the sake of like, do you want to wait and see how long this is going to last? Maybe you can release it at a point where you're going to play shows, but also because like, you know, things like vinyl plants and stuff like that, like just just the, the sheer production side of releasing a record and all the physical things that come along with it like that that timeline got screwed up because of the pandemic too and so it became a question of like whether or not we can actually release our bundles that we were already selling on time if we didn't push the record back um but you're right you know uh at least as of right now we don't plan to tour full-time so we were never going to like have a normal you know you know 12 month 18 month you know 24 month tour cycle on the record Uh, it was just going to be the the one-off shows uh here and there and like the one-off events and festivals and stuff that we were going to do um so that that part didn't really play into it uh but for us it was like yeah it's a fucking pandemic we can't go play shows but like you know people have a lot of time on their hands and people are going to be uh experiencing some sort of the shit that we have been dealing with for the past four years that uh also happens to be a lot of what we wrote this record about uh and it it didn't feel like there was any better time than you know when we had already planned to release the record because it felt very fitting for what the entire world collectively was going through at the time you know like i said no we we weren't all involved in a bus crash last year but we were all were experiencing some sort of rock bottom and that's like 
what a large majority of the record's about is like bouncing back from that rock bottom. Yeah, it's such a good point. I mean, the record was awesome, by the way. I really enjoyed. Thank you, man. I really enjoyed it for a couple of reasons. The first reason being that I love the way that Andrew writes. I've always been a huge oh. fan of how Andrew writes. For the Fallen yep. Dreams was one of my favorite bands growing up. I know he did yep. most of the writing, if not all, with Jim. I yep. mean, it's it's crazy to realize the progress that he's made and how dynamic of a songwriter he really is. I mean, what's it like writing alongside Andrew? Dude, he is uh he's he's frustratingly talented in the sense that like whatever he wants to do, he's just fucking good at it. Right. <laughs> it's like god damn it, save some of it for the rest of us, man. <laughs> uh and and I always joke about how it's like fucking frustrating when the best guitar player in your band's actually your drummer. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's so um, fucking crazy. I mean, being I wish I was multi-talented like that, man, cuz I can't even fucking play guitar. So, I mean, the fact that he can drum, play bass, play guitar, I mean, being a multi multi-talented musician is like it's it's so it's so mind-blowing to me because i can't even play i can't even play one i can barely like dj so (laughs) he he's a freak uh yeah he's just a never-ending well of like fucking inspiration and and like creativity um but but at the same time he's also like super collaborative and like very open to input so like while he did write 99 percent of the record it was very much like hey if you have an idea for what I'm doing right here, like do not hesitate to like let like let's fucking hear it out. Like we nothing made this record if all five of us didn't sign off on it. Um and and so, you know, you have someone like Andrew who can just write all day long and all of it's great. And also he's willing to fucking hear all of our ideas. And we brought in Will Putney into the picture who is just like Andrew and it's just like a never ending like well of creativity. Uh it, it was just a fucking a recipe for for success. I mean, and fucking you bring in Jeremy McKinnon, who we all know is just fucking a hit factory in his own. It's just like we we just had an unstoppable team for this record, and the vibes the whole way through were just like fucking so good. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of unfair the team that you put together. It's like we, it's we, we crazy. Yeah, like, we, we had the musical has, dream uh, team. Putney done. Uh, almost every single one of my favorite records like in my top five adding jeremy mckinnon into the mix i mean we've we've all seen him you know pushing out bangers from a day to remember since 2007 i remember listening to some of his first songs you know from a day to remember and being like once this guy gets like another record under his belt they're gonna be like a major band you know i mean it's it's crazy And, and the record definitely shows that there's a ton of fucking good songs i think my favorite definitely is uh the outcast i mean the rift at that beginning of the song is just too fucking heavy i love it i mean what what's your favorite song that, that made it on the record and i mean I, do you have one uh, i mean or is the whole record just kind of like it's 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 really hard to pick yeah right um i i really like still alive because uh, for a couple reasons i love that it's like a throwback returners vibe and the, and like returners is the record that got me into the ghost inside uh so i like that it's it's got a throwback vibe to it and i also love that uh so the still alive like gang vocals in the chorus is all 10 of us that were in the accident um fucking amazing story by the way yeah so we we are we demoed a song that didn't make the record that uh the course of the song had all 10 of us singing on it originally and when that got the axe we were like well we got to find a way to get everybody on the record um and we had already had the chorus of Still Alive written, and it was like, well, 
man, we really wish we could get everybody on that song. And then Will was like, just have them fucking yell it into their phones and send us the files, and I'll just fucking put it in the record. And that's what you hear. That is so crazy, dude. So it's it's so just it's just crazy. Yeah, it's just the other I, I, five guys yelling into their phone. The Defiance podcast too is like listening to like those small intricate stories about the record and how it all came together. But I mean, you mentioned it. The Ghost Inside has a really great catalog of music. I mean, since I've watched. <laughs> your stream a few times i know you know the answer to this question but i mean do you have fun going back and going through some of those songs and learning how to play them i mean aaron brooks is one of my favorite guitarists growing up i mean he really know how to like write a melodic lead i mean there yep. some of the leads in like that first record and uh returners uh, it's still unmatched in my mind i'm just curious yep. how fun that process has been for you oh dude it's been awesome uh you know returners was a huge record for me uh yeah. and like i said returners was the record that got me into the band and then i went back and discovered how sick uh fury was um but you know as the band has grown and put out more records you know naturally less and less of that stuff gets played live because you're trying to push your current record and you know the newer records become your popular record or whatever uh so it's been really fun for me to go back and learn the songs that were like you know a big deal for me as I was like shaping my musical taste and like, you know, starting my journey and playing in bands and stuff. Uh, it's been really cool. And, and it just gives me more fuel to try to talk the guys into playing them live now. <laughs> now, <laughs> now they I don't can, have I an excuse. I you a list of songs that I would love to see in a TGI, in a TGI set. Do it. Do it. Do <laughs> it. I mean, prior to the crash, I remember you mentioning this the last time that we saw each other in person. You guys had played, recently had played Rock M Ring, which is like a hugely, hugely, hugely famous German festival. It's like one of the pinnacles of like touring the festival circuit in Europe. Yep. What's it like playing to 25,000 people now that you've done it? I've always wanted to ask you that question because I think I was too afraid to be like, well, what's it like? You know, like, right, I right, I right. To, I don't, for some reason, I just didn't ask you that question. But I mean, do you ever just sit there and just like relish in that moment of being in front of that many people? Um, yeah, it's something like that kind of show um, feels a little less. It feels like there's a little less pressure. It's like a little less. I don't know, stressful than playing in front of like a smaller crowd. Cause it's, it's almost like too many people to worry about what they think because it's just like, there's so many fucking people. I don't have the time or mental capacity to worry about what every single one of you is thinking. Uh, but it's, it's like one of those things where like, as soon as we walk off stage and I see like the first picture from the show, I'm just like, Jesus Christ, yeah. that many people showed up to watch us yeah. play breakdowns and power chords. What the fuck? Dude, it's crazy because, you know, especially from your perspective, going from playing places like the Commons in Omaha, which was like a 150 cap, to playing to 25,000 people, such a drastic change in, yeah. in, like, in, yeah. in the way that you're playing in front of people. And I can't imagine that I, I, dealing with the adrenaline that comes along with that. I mean, have you felt any sort of adrenaline like that since? I mean, do you think there's ever going to be anything in your life that will match the feeling that you get when you're like in front of that many people playing? Uh, no, I don't think so, man. Like, uh, I, I think it's one of those, it's also one of those things where like when you get bit by the performing bug and especially when you get bit by the bug that, that bites you when you play a show like that, like, I don't think that, uh, any other sort of like, you know, adrenaline kick will ever match that anyway like i just i think that that's like the ultimate drug for me <laughs> yeah i mean yeah i i totally get it i mean like i'm, I'm not like a musician but it, or anything but like performing like with like the dj parties that we do like i don't think there's you're, you're totally right they're like there is like that little sense of like 
once you get a taste of it, it's like, oh shit! I wonder what it'd be like to yep. play in front of like fifteen hundred, two thousand. Fucking yep. crazy. But yep. I mean, what's you, the you ideal plan for like the Ghost Inside going forward? I guess the question is kind of twofold. Obviously, things were gonna look different for TGI considering the lack of desire to go back to full time touring after the accident. But your camp had another comeback show canceled that was supposed to be in July for all the East Coast fans, and then I believe you had another huge show in Brixton in the UK, which is a huge fucking bucket list thing for any musician that tours in Europe. I mean, first off, what's the most realistic, you know, uh, plan of attack for the band when things go back to normal post-COVID? And second off, what does a normal return look like for the band at all? You know what I mean? Uh, post-COVID. Sure. Uh, well, you know, naturally, we, we would love to play all the shows. Technically, everything just got rescheduled to this summer, which, you know, we're we're obviously at the mercy of uh, the pandemic and vaccine rollout and, and all of that business. Um. But, you know, anything that we can do safely within, uh, you know, local guidelines and, you know, following all of the health restrictions like we will do. But like that's just unfortunately out of our control. And uh, yeah, but I think I think, you know, first thing we will do once it's safe is we will try to make it back. You know, we, we do owe the East Coast uh, some sort of show for people who, who couldn't travel to L.A. Um, you know, we do owe the U.K. a show. We do owe Germany a show, um, you know. I don't want to say that full-time touring is completely out of the question for us in the future, but it is definitely not on our books right now, and we definitely won't consider it until we go back and at least play everywhere for the first time again. So I think goal one will be post-pandemic is uh, make up all the shows that we've, you know, had to reschedule and, you know, may have to reschedule again this year. Um so that I think that's step one is you know make all make up all the shows that we you know we've promised people, um, and then you know we're we're just not planning too far ahead. Um, you know, like I said, I'm I don't think I think that some of us would try to get back in a bus again and see what touring would be like, um, maybe on a less uh, you know grueling schedule. Um, but we're just not even gonna throw that into play until you know all five of us are on the same we do not make any decision in this band especially now until all five members are on the same page so you know until everybody's feeling like that's something we want to do it's just not on the books and we'll uh we'll just keep doing these uh you know special events one-off events yeah i love it man a true democracy that's it's it's always good for the health of a band <laughs> you know yep but, absolutely but i know you used to book diy shows just like me back in the day and that's actually kind of how you got linked up with Texas in July, come to find out, correct? Yep, yep. So tell me a little bit about uh, that story. Let's talk about being promoters in small towns for a minute, <laughs> I think we totally can relate here. But I think we connected so hard when we first met because, <clears throat> come to find out, I think I'm kind of putting the pieces together. I mean, you saw us doing work at the Commons, and you were like, this is super familiar to me. You know what I yep, mean? Talk absolutely. Talk a little bit about uh, you know, what it was like growing up where you grew up and going to shows. I mean, what music were you really into? You were super close to Baltimore and D.C. if you're still in the yep. same town that you live in now. So I'm sure you had a lot of options for entertainment. But just talk about what it was like growing up in that area and going to shows. Yeah, so I grew up... Uh... <laughs> probably about 20, 30 minutes from Baltimore. Um, and I, I made some friends with some older kids. Like I was in middle school and made friends with high schoolers who were like, Oh, you play drums, come be in a band. Here's a band called Slipknot. Here's a band called Kill Switching. And you know, they, they started my journey down, uh, the path of heavy music that wasn't just Metallica and stuff like right. that. Um, and then, and then, you know, eventually they would take me to, uh, shows to see, you know, local bands. And then it was, you know, 
national acts and stuff. But um, it got to a point when I was in high school where I just couldn't, I couldn't find shows for my band to play. So I was like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to hit up the local fire hall and just fucking do the show myself. Like I, I, like I'll find somebody with a garbage PA and I'll just fucking do it myself. Oh, those are the days, buddy. Right. Uh, and, and I, I, I don't live in the same town anymore. I'm like the next town over, but I lived in a, a small, like country ish town. Everybody's surrounded by farms and there's like nothing to do. And so, uh, you know, I'd book a show and even though kids didn't fucking necessarily like all the music, every, every kid in the town would just come to the show no matter what. Uh, and it was like, you know, 200 kids on a Wednesday night for like all local bands. It just didn't matter. That's a, um, that's such a, that's such a great community. <laughs> like, so dude, sick. it it was, it was so sick. Um, I, I only booked, uh, with, with the singer of my old band. Uh, we, we booked, I don't know, maybe four or five shows. And then another promoter took over cause he saw that the scene was taking off. And when it became, uh, I don't have to potentially lose money. I was like, yeah, just let my band play sometimes and I can go right ahead. Um, oh. but, but yeah. And, but that's, you're right. That is how I met Texas. Uh, I hit up uh, their managers like, hey, I would love to get my band on tour with Texas. Like, I feel like we musically would really fit well together on a tour. And he was like, yeah, well, they need a show in Maryland in like a week and a half. If you can book it and have your band play and you guys get along, like we can we can talk about a tour in the future. And I was like, fucking deal. So I booked the show Dang. with like a week, week and a half of notice, uh, got a ton of local bands on, lost like $700 on the <laughs> show. Just for the chance to hopefully get my band on tour of Texas, and it never happened. But, uh, but that, uh, being willing to take that on last minute and show that I was like somebody that they could count on, um, I still paid the band in full. Like you know, I didn't, I didn't try to negotiate out of guarantees or anything like that. Like I told him I was going to pay him X amount of dollars. I held my word, and uh, you know, it wasn't a crazy show, but it was a decent show when they didn't have one. Um, and I was just a good dude and they, they thought of me when, uh, Logan left the band and like, that was just, that was the beginning of like this crazy journey that music has taken me on. It, it all started with me being like, fuck, I'm probably going to lose a ton of money and this may be a big flop, but like, I'll never know if I don't just fucking dive in feet first. And, uh, it, you know, it sucked in the moment to lose $700, but it paid off long run, you know, and now I've got, you know, two bands that are two sets of my best friends in the entire world. And it's taken me around the world because I was willing to just be kind to people and jump in feet first, man, losing money like that is such a kick in the dick. I mean, I, when I would lose money like that, I really just enjoyed seeing my favorite bands. So it was like, yep. I don't really give a shit if I'm going to lose a bunch of money until it got to the point where I was losing like thousands of dollars. Like yeah. I remember this one time, the first time I ever lost like a couple hundred dollars on a show, I booked end well, and mm-hmm. they played like they played some shitty VFW hall when I was like 16 and losing $300 on that show when I was 16 was fucking devastating. I was oh, like, I, bet. I was like 300 bucks. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, how the fuck am I going to live for the next like two months? I mean, and then I got into like later in my career, like, like three summers after that, I booked like the over the limit bullshit tour. I don't know why the yep, fuck yep, yep, any yep, of those yep. things were ever like a thing, but I lost money like, grab for the yeah, booking. I lost agents. like twenty five hundred dollars on Barrier Dead that summer, and then like the next summer I booked Citizen and lost like 
fifteen hundred dollars, and that was like I was like after that I was like okay I've got to take a break like I'm so fucking broke but yeah I'm I'm glad you didn't get so fucking far into that that <laughs> no I I I got very lucky that I had a string of shows where I made decent money off of them and then that Texas one happened and then the other dude came in and was like I'm just gonna start booking here and I was like yep it's like you Go got it, it bro here's the keys Go for to it, the pal. fucking car yep absolutely <laughs> go right ahead. Well, I mean, until the pandemic is over, I mean, what's the ideal plan for you? I mean, you have a family now, a budding business that we actually haven't talked about yet. I don't know how. Ironfoot Audio, which is, it seems like it's going really, really well. I mean, check it out, by the way, if you're in like a local band in Omaha or something, if you need, you know, a producer, a mixer, a master, literally anything, Chris seems to do it all. But realistically, I mean, what does uh, what does the rest of this time have in store for you? I mean, are there any new projects beyond Ironfoot Audio? Uh, no, trying to stay busy with the studio. Uh, the The main thing to me at this point is, you know, my family has uh, managed to stay healthy and not catch the virus thus far. So it would be real fucking shitty to be, uh, you know, have the vaccine rolling out and, um, you know, yeah, get, get fucking sick now. So, you know, the biggest thing is just keeping my family healthy and uh, just fucking praying for shows and, sh- and normal life to come back, you know? Prior to the pandemic happening, I know, like you were like a professional fill in there for a second like, yeah, you know, with yeah. TGI, but like it kind of like, it made me think today. I mean, do you think you'd ever fill in for another band now that TGI is kind of like, for, at least for the foreseeable future, like fly out dates or like, you know, special one-off events. I mean, do you think you'd ever do like any sort of like fill in work for another band? Or do you think that like part of your career is like over? Uh, I think that it would, and this might make me sound shitty or jaded or whatever, but I don't care. (laughs) Um, it would either have to be a band that I'm like super good friends with, that it would be worth the hang for me to leave my family or it, or it would have to be something that I know is going to pay my bills when I get home from the, from it. And it's just like, you know, having two kids and being married, like I would obviously love to be on the road, but I have responsibilities here. And so like, while I would love to be out gigging, like if it's not, uh, if it's not with the ghost inside or Texas in July, it has to, it has to pay my bills. Yeah. For fucking sure. Dude. <laughs> so I, I totally so, get that. Yeah. So <laughs> if, if you're Metallica and you want me to fill in, call me. <laughs> yeah, hit me the fuck up, man. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about one more thing before we wrap up here. There's something that I heard in your podcast with, uh, with Sonny, or uh, Sonny from close your eyes. Uh, the man, great podcast. Really loved listening to it. But, um, something that I am absolutely mortified of is losing my hearing, especially uh, after the last three years of like throwing DJ parties and like having like a fill right next to the DJ booth. I have done some insane damage on my ears the last couple of years. Yep. And I'm really ashamed that I never took ear protection seriously. But uh, tell me a little bit about this journey because I've been really fascinated, not only just with your story, but I've been really fascinated with, with it in general, like watching people in our industry kind of realize that we really should be protecting our ears this entire time. And I know some of the people listening to this podcast be like, what the fuck is this guy talking about right now? But like <laughs> you're in the touring circuit or you play shows or you work at a local music venue five or six years down the line at 30, if you're 25 now, you're going to take a hit on your hearing at 30. Five years later at 35, you're going to take another huge hit on your hearing. I'm just now hitting 30 and I'm realizing how much damage I have done to my body in terms of, being around live music but just tell me a little bit about this journey that you went on this year and how it's going to change your perspective on protecting your ears going forward 
Uh, well, to be fair, I, I, so I started playing live when I was like 11 years old, uh, and I didn't start taking hearing protection serious until I started touring with Texas. And how, then, how old are you, Chris? Uh, 31. Okay. Uh, so I, I was probably 19, 20 before I started taking, you know, hearing protection serious. Uh, and luckily I, in that time period of like 11 to 20 or so, I didn't do any real damage to my ears, thankfully. Um, but yeah, so th- what you were referring to is I, uh, experienced a fucking horrifying uh, situation with sudden hearing loss, which is actually more common than uh, you might think, which is horrifying. Uh, I started just feeling like I was having like pressure headaches. It felt like something was squeezing around my head uh, for a couple days. And I didn't think anything of it because it was, it wasn't like keeping me from living life. And then uh, it's like, it's just allergies or something. Right. Right. And then, and then it felt like my ear was clogged with my ear needed to pop really bad. And then one morning I woke up and like on the right side of my neck, like it felt, I don't know. My neck was just fucked up and uh, I thought, okay, well maybe I just slept weird. And then the next morning I woke up and I sat up and realized that it was like somebody fucking hit the mute button on my right ear. Like I couldn't hear anything. Well, not anything, but what I could hear was like really muffled and sounded distorted. It sounded like the teacher from Charlie Brown. Yeah, right, right. Um, and uh, and I fucking panicked. Um, I went I went to an ENT and they like did a bunch of like they did a hearing test and like looked at my ear and all that stuff. And he was like, "Yeah, like you know, this seems like classic, uh, you know, hearing or sudden hearing loss. Uh, we need to like act on this immediately. Like essentially if, if you, if you experience that and you don't act on it within three to four weeks, like it can end up being permanent. Um, yeah, which is fucking horrifying. And, and the even scarier part is that they just don't, they don't even know what it comes from. It, It can like come on at any time and they don't necessarily know how to fix it because they don't even know what's stemming, stemming from it. So I went and got a bunch of blood tests done and they did like a fucking brain MRI and like all this and everything came back normal. And so they have no clue what even caused mine. Um, so they sent me to a specialist down in Baltimore who uh, started doing steroid injections through my eardrum. Oh, it, it, which is yeah, sound. It is as bad as it sounds. Oh. Uh, and you know, I, I did like four or five rounds of it, um, which luckily ended up helping. You know, that coupled with oral steroids for like fucking ninety days or some crazy shit like that. Um, it it was it was rough, man. It was fucking scary. It uh. You know, being that studio work is like, you know, my my main job now, like to have that, you know, I I, I just assumed that I was going to have to give up you know, my passion and figure out what, what the fuck else to do with my life. Luckily, um, you know, like I said, the treatment worked and, and reversed the situation. Um, but yeah, man, like I I felt like I was going to have to figure out what to do uh for a day job quote unquote you know instead of the studio and i was actually pretty concerned that like was i going to be able to be in the band like you know i luckily my left ear is still you know my they do the hearing test is perfect you know it's fine whatever but you know how do, how does one play in a band when you can't hear out of one ear you know like it it was it was um going deaf is like actually my worst fear in life me, um, me too. Like absolutely, absolutely. Like after these last like two years and like experiencing like the increased ringing in my ears, it is oh, now yeah. my biggest fear. Like other than yeah. dying, like it is my fucking sure. biggest fear now. Sure. Yeah. Like the the idea of like never being able to, uh, 
you know, reaching a point where you're hearing so bad that you can't enjoy music anymore or like, you know, you'll I'll like imagining that I would never hear my kids speak again, like never hear them. Like, dude, that's fucking that's horrifying. Yeah. And 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 it felt like I like went to bed one night and life was normal and I woke up the next day and like I was just living in my fucking worst nightmare. I couldn't think about anything else. I was like sleeping all day because I was fucking so depressed uh, like I'm, I'm thankful that, uh, the treatment, like I said, worked. Um, but it's just scary. Cause it's like, you know, is it going to come back? We don't know what caused it. So how do I prevent it? You know, it's just like, it's, it's a fucking scary thing. And this, and the worst part is that it's way more common than, you know, anybody would think. And I just, I, on top of that, I wasn't even telling my clients that I, it was experiencing cause I didn't want them to freak out and be like, Oh, well, Can we, we can't work our, with you. Can we have our money back. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. It was like I, I was like keeping it under wraps and trying to like handle it, you know, just within our camp here until I could figure out what the fuck was happening because I didn't want anybody to do exactly that. Oh, we can't work with you now because you can't hear out of your right ear. But it's like, no. Thankfully, it all came back and we're good now. But it, dude, it was a fucking horrifying like two or three months there for a minute. Yeah, I've I've saved up and I, I think with my next round of stimulus, I'm going to get like a professional pair like a, a legit pair of like earbuds that i can like wear going forward because like even even the hit that i've taken over the last year not being around live music my hearing has gotten worse you know it's only yep. gonna get worse and it's it's you're right man it's probably the it's probably the scariest thing that could possibly happen besides like losing your sight or you know i guess right. you know losing like a limb or something like that but right right but i appreciate the time chris let's finish up on some quick hitters here i just got like a couple quick questions that we can just like buzz straight through but let's do it um just give me simple one word answers and we'll just fly through these texas in Done. july or the ghost inside which songs do you like playing more so, so like one from each? Yeah. Oh no. Oh I mean, no. Oh, no. Which, which one, one do, do I like playing more? Which one do you have uh, more fun playing? I guess. Is fuck. What I'm to ask. It's a hard. Uh, it's a hard question. If, if you it, don't have it's a very hard. That's okay. Uh, it's a hard question. I'm gonna go with Ghost Inside only because I I love playing the Texas stuff, but I have to like work at that. And the Ghost Inside stuff, I could pick up a guitar right now and play that. It. It's it's <laughs> less stress. It's much easier, less stress. Favorite venue to play in the states. Oh no! I always love hearing everybody's answers to these questions. I'm gonna go somewhere that's nostalgic for me and say the Auto Bar in Baltimore. Okay, cool. And that recently closed, didn't it? I don't know if it closed. I think it changed ownership, and they were like, they were, f they were. I saw a GoFundMe during the like when all the pandemic stuff started. I don't know what the status of the venue is right now. Sure. Yeah, it's it's crazy, man. The amount of venues that have closed, not only around the states, but specifically in my area. I think everybody has like a couple of venues that are like, "Wow, like what the fuck is this city gonna do?" <laughs> like, yep, comes back. yep. Whole different conversation. But uh, current music you're listening to, what are you spinning these days? Well, the new Architects that just came out is Fucking is my mind blowing. It's it's so good. That's that's my my like current on repeat thing. Uh, what else is I listening to a lot prior to that? The new the newest Alpha Wolf record is fucking unreal too. Awesome. God, I love also that band. I, I took I took listens through both of those. It's it's crazy for me to. It's, I think it's crazy for all of us to keep. The architects just keep setting the bar higher and higher and higher and higher. I don't know if anybody, I don't know if anybody's ever going to reach, you know, They'll, the uh, the the pinnacle that they've reached. But okay, no, here's, they here's a fun one that I'm really, <laughs> I really want to know: scream their prayer or scream it like you mean it. Oh God, they're both a train wreck. You got to pick one. Uh, um, I'm going to say scream the prayer because uh, it was a little less 
chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> that scream, scream it like you mean it uh, routing was the biggest <sighs> clusterfuck. I looked back on it today and I was just like, what in the fuck was, who the hell booked this? <laughs> like, it, it, was, it was a nightmare, man. <laughs> so fucking crazy. But all right, bucket list band that you need to see live. I need to see live. Can it be a band that's not a band anymore? Absolutely. Or, give uh, me give me one current and one dead. Oh, one current, one dead. Well, I would I would love uh, I would love to be able to go back in time and see Pantera at some point. Respectable. Um, uh, current that I need to see. I feel very fortunate that I've seen. Yeah, I mean, a lot of bands. Yeah, when you when you play the festival circuit, I guess you really get to check off like a whole shitload of bands, like in like a, an afternoon. You know, what dude, I mean? ba- ba- bands that I never in my life like I've seen fucking Guns and Roses at a festival in fucking like Belgium. Like, like right. it's it's psychotic. That's that's a tough one, a current one. I feel like I've seen most. Band- I feel like, I'm not even that big of a Ramstein fan, but I feel like I would love to see them just for the pure spectacle and to see how much fire they have yeah yeah <laughs> one band that i really wish and that i'm only saying this because i think they're kind of from your area but if there's one band i could resurrect from being dead and uh have play a show it definitely would be balance and composure like i am a yep. stupid stan of that band okay yeah that yeah i back that super I, super good but okay not about that. me let's get back to here uh one personal goal you're trying to achieve by the end of 2021 uh fuck man i should have i should have this on deck <laughs> i should have this on deck um man that's real tough getting asking the deep questions here chris you know it, this this is gonna sound like a cop-out but uh you know like in my little discord for my twitch stream i i did put some um some like new year's resolutions at the beginning of the year and and mine is uh, one of mine was to get back into uh, like pre-accident shape because I've I've let myself go since having the excuse of being like oh I was in an accident I can sit around all day feel bad for myself blah 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 right, blah right. yeah uh, I have a family to take care of and I would like to be here to see them have children and stuff so I think I think the most important thing to me this year actually and I am not saying this as like a a cop out answer I think the most important thing for me this year is to uh, take my health more serious. Can, I mean, can you run or jog or anything like that these days? I mean, is it is it possible with like all the surgeries that you've had? I I think that I I think that I've uh, rehabbed enough now that I think I could. I don't think I'd go on like a full sprint, but like if I wanted to jog around my neighborhood, I think I'd be good now. Dude, do it with me, man. I will totally hold you accountable. I've been running Done. like two or three miles every like two days for like a couple months now. So if you want to do it, get on the fitness train with me. But one last yep. one before we let you go here. Now that you're a dad. What is your favorite show to watch with your kids? With my kids? Yes. Uh, it has to be kid appropriate. Okay. Kid appropriate. Okay. Well, I'm just going to go with what I watch with my son because, you know, the little one has no fucking clue what's happening <laughs> still. <laughs> um, I get real stoked when he wants to watch anything superhero related. I, I knew uh, that was going to be it. And I, and I, yeah. and I back it 100%. He, he's, not, he's not super, super, super into superheroes yet. Uh, he'll occasionally you know talk about batman this and that uh but he does there's a there's a lego batman thing called like bat lego batman beleaguered or something like that which is hilarious and he loves it and when he when he actually wants to watch it when he asks for it makes my entire day oh i love it that's so yeah, good, man it's so good oh well that's all we got man i will let you get back to uh to dad life now but uh chris i really appreciate you coming on man like i like, like we mentioned at the top of the podcast 
six years is definitely a really long time to, to not be face to face, but it was really therapeutic to finally get the chance to talk to you again and, and kind of just pick through our friendship for the last 10 years. I really had a great time chatting and I, I, and honestly, I had a really great time prepping for this episode too. It was, I got to go through so much old music and old memories. It was, it was, it was really a, a pleasure to talk to you and I, I can't thank you enough for coming on, man. Fuck yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me. I, I had a great time. Absolutely. Well, we're going to wrap it up there. We'll be back next week. Until then, I guess just uh, keep hanging on and waiting for the pandemic to be over. But we will catch you next week. Have a good week, guys. And that's our show. If you like what you heard on this episode and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe to our pages. You can find us on Apple, Google, and Amazon Podcasts, as well as Spotify. You can also find us on social media, too, at LeftOffPod on Twitter. And just simply search our name on Facebook or Instagram, the Where We Left Off Podcast. See you next time.